0: Here we go with Law and Gospel on this first day of November 2021. And being a Monday, we'd like to look at readings for the following week. And it's a special week coming up. We just observed Reformation Sunday yesterday. And this coming week will be All Saints Day with readings from Revelation 7, 1 John 3, and Matthew 5. Now, Matthew 5 is what we're going to be taking a look at. It's best known as the Sermon on the Mount, but Jesus starts off seeing the crowds. He goes up on the mountain. He sits down. His disciples come to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. Now, the term disciple isn't necessarily equivalent to the 12 apostles. Disciples were people who followed Jesus in a lot of areas. Uh, Remember when Judas committed suicide, they had to find a 12th person. And one of the criteria in discovering who that ought to be was he had to be mainly involved with Jesus' ministry at least being present when he said and did a lot of miraculous items. So, at any rate, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, how do we understand these beatitudes, these being blessed? To be blessed is the opposite of, well, good luck. I, I know I've heard television programs and a person is going out on an assignment and they say, good luck. Or they do the assignment and it works out perfectly. Well, that was a matter of good luck. And Christians will often respond, no, no. It is a matter of Jesus being there with me. So the word blessed is the opposite of good luck. It's a gift from God to you, even though you don't deserve it. And the first one is blessed are those who are poor in the spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, it doesn't make any sense, does it? That if you're poor in spirit, that you would be blessed. Now, there are some who think that blessed are those who are poor because they like to give this false distinction between people who are poor that God really loves and people who are rich who are always against the will of God. No, that's not what the Bible says. Both poor and rich are in agreement with the word of God. And both the rich and the poor, some of them, no doubt, differs with the word of God. Says that it is wrong. In fact, in the verse, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Notice it says, poor in spirit. What does that mean? Well, if you're impoverished in the spirit, it means you do not have the necessary funding, for example, to really make God love us. There's nothing you can do to make God love you anyway. But the fact is, the poor in spirit means that we confess to God we have nothing even in our spirit to give to you in order to win heaven as our home were poor in spirit. But that's precisely the kind of person Jesus is looking for. Someone who is poor in spirit means that they've recognized they don't have the gifts to serve God properly. And being poor in spirit means that their spirit needs to be filled with another spirit, namely the Holy Spirit. And in that way, therefore, blessed are they, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Then he starts kind of going through the commandments. Blessed are the poor... We looked at that, verse six, blessed are the poor in spirit. Again, this is a beautiful, well, what would they have called it in those days? We'll just say a beautiful place for the church. The church is grown in the pages of Holy Writ. And there's no doubt that every question you need to answer is found somewhere in the Bible. But they are so hidden that it takes a real person who has a good concentrate concentration to be able to know what is the proper or improper understanding of being poor in the spirit. Then it says, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. What's a synonym for the word meek? It's the word, blessed are those who have been humbled, for they indeed shall receive the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. What's the kind of mourning that we're talking about? it's M-O-U-R-N, those who are in grief. How are they comforted? Attend a proper Christian funeral. You will find many people there who are mourning, but they are comforted. They are being blessed. How? With the Word of God. I don't know how you can comfort someone who is mourning apart from from the promises of the Bible. You keep giving them promises that the person who has died in Christ, promises have been made at his or her baptism. Promises have been made to take them to heaven. Promises have been made, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. So blessed indeed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And blessed are those who are meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What's the opposite of being meek? It's being boastful. And does the Bible ever put down those who are boastful? Uh, We talked about that uh, recently, that uh, there was an individual who was saying he doesn't have to give a tithe because He gives so much to the church in what he does. He may end up doing some landscaping, or he may pick up people to bring to church. He could be an officer in the church. This particular man was on the board of finance. So he does a lot of things, but he's not meek. He's not humble. He's boasting about what he has done. But blessed indeed, are those of you who are not boasting of what you have done. If you are boasting, you're boasting about what Jesus Christ, the God-man, has done for you. So blessed are the weak, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger, but it doesn't end there, who hunger and thirst, For righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Every person is hungering and thirsting for righteousness. When you understand that righteousness means that you're in the company of God himself. When you're baptized, you are indeed, from God's point of view, you have become his child, and you've come, become his child not by being begotten, born, not by making a decision. You don't become his child that way either, but by being adopted. And that adoption is so clear in holy baptism that therefore you indeed Are merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be satisfied. Now, who hungers and thirsts for righteousness? Those who recognize that the righteousness they have is insufficient to get them to heaven. They may be a very good person from others' point of view. They may be those who give the most to church to help support it. They may be those who bring their children to confirmation, and they themselves attend worship service. But none of that makes them righteous. The reason that they are righteous is on the very time that Jesus rose from the dead, He, with those wonderful angels in his particular situation, came back to earth and offered up these promises to all those who believe in the gospel. Now, the vision of the church is all about the gospel. And you can imagine what some would be saying. I believe in the holy gospel of the Christian faith, whether that gospel comes from Muslims or from Jews or for Lutherans or Methodists, it's all the same gospel. You just have to put on your thinking cap to try and discover what the world is made of. But here we have a wonderful situation that those who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness do so because they don't have the righteousness they feel they need to have in order to get to heaven. The Bible's very clear only the righteous go to heaven. And therefore, if you hunger and thirst for that righteousness, that holiness, guess what? You will be satisfied. Not that your body begins to do all kinds of good works, but rather instead that you are going to be satisfied with the good works of Jesus Christ in your life, and you will be filled with his righteousness. This was a big problem Martin Luther had for years when he read about the righteousness of God he actually got angry at God. He couldn't understand why is God telling me I need to be righteous like him? Because Luther couldn't be that way. He sinned much, and he wanted to tell God all his sins. And in confession, he would be there a long time. But no, blessed indeed are those who thirst for righteousness, because God has prepared it ready for you, who at times may even do things that are contrary to righteousness, but you have received Christ's righteousness, and he has done that simply by his will. So that's all, a very important verse about being righteous. That's all found in Matthew chapter Five. All right, going on to the next point. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be satisfied. Here again, we seem to have a different connection with the words merciful. We've already seen that God is gracious. That means he gives you what you do not deserve. And that's why you're satisfied, because he gives you his righteousness. You don't make up your own righteousness. But then, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Now, how are we merciful? As Christians, we often will forgive people who don't deserve it. We may have an argument with someone and just forget about getting even with them, even though they may deserve it. The idea of being merciful means you do not get what you deserve. And in Christ Jesus, that's a wonderful blessing. So, blessed are the merciful. As you're merciful towards someone else, because of your love for Jesus, And because he's merciful to you, guess what? He'll continue to have you receive his mercy to the point where when you die, hell will not be your home, but heaven will be your home as a gracious gift because you don't deserve it and as a merciful gift because he's not holding you accountable to what should be done. You are instead forgiven. And what forgiven means is very similar to what we were just talking about. But it also means that God no longer holds anybody accountable for their sin. And that's true for every believer in Jesus Christ. Verse 9, Matthew 5, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Now, we do know of one son of God, Jesus Christ, but what's the difference between him as the son of God and you and I, including women, as sons of God? The difference is Jesus is the only begotten son of God from the Father and the Holy Spirit. Whereas we are begotten through regular parents or adopted through the legal system. In other words, we recognize that we are peacemakers because we're called sons of God. And that's what the Son of God does. His goal is to bring peace to the earth. Now, sometimes it doesn't sound like pastors are sons of God when they speak harshly towards someone who's living in sin without repentance. He may say, well, I therefore tell you that you should not be living that kind of lifestyle because that is an abomination before Almighty God. Anybody living that lifestyle is not going to be happy with those words. And so that's why it indicates, indeed, that these things heap themselves back into the church when people don't recognize the truth. Uh, Another way in which we are blessed as peacemakers is because... God's blessings comes to everyone who trusts his son, Jesus Christ. To be saved, you must have faith. But that faith is a trust in the promises of the gospel, which every human being recognizes. Then, blessed are those which shall persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you notice what the text is saying? Are, are you trying to get righteous on your own? No. Blessed are the pure in, in heart, for they shall see God. And they are peacemakers because they're called sons of God. When you have a father or a mother you really love, you don't like starting arguments around them, and that brings peace to the family. Well, that's the task of God. And in the person of Jesus Christ, He gives us news that is so comforting that we bring peace into the Holy Christian Church. How can I argue with someone who may or may not be right when God doesn't argue with me on certain passages of the Bible where no explanation is given and things are up to the individual worker to ponder? The fact of the matter is, all that the Bible needs to tell you is found in Holy Scripture. But a lot of times, there are lots of questions we have. 90% of the questions I have have nothing to do with the Bible. What cereal to buy? What bread to buy? What milk to buy? So if there are those of you who are asking those questions, take it to the Lord in prayer. And he'll hear you. And through faith, you may receive that for which you are praying. Then the last verse. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and enter all kinds of evil against you falsely according to my word. Rejoice. And be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, and such reward is yours my gift. Therefore, rejoice, your reward is great in heaven, for so they have persecuted the prophets who were before you. So what we have in these blessings We've got very positive ones. But we have what some people may think are negative, like blessed are those, verse 10, who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Or verse 11, blessed are you when others revile you. Now, what we did in church was to show that even those so-called negative blessings are tremendous blessings and are of great strength and value and will be able to go quite a distance in helping you understand the word of God, the word of Christianity. Now, Jesus continues with the Sermon on the Mount in making clear that people understand the proper meaning of the word and the proper reading of the gospel. So, what you get here is a distinction between law and gospel. Sometimes it's done with kind of rubber sticks, other times it's done with balloons, or you may find a way that you can make up your own. But what we have you do is listen to at least one of these wonderful stories where you on your day may be persecuted, that during your absence, you will be looked down upon. Because that big, big stone was rolled against the grave to shut Jesus in, but to keep the disciples out. And that big stone was so heavy that the women who came on Sunday not believing the word of Jesus that he would have risen from the dead on Sunday, thought they were going to take care of a body. Well, they got a surprise. The body appeared, and it was none other than Jesus Christ himself. And he therefore brought to the people the greatest news they could ever have heard that salvation is them the forgiveness of sins is for them, and hope is for them to believe in. So the first part of the Sermon on the Mount, we call the Beatitudes from the word blessing, and refers to the things that you go through that make you even a better Christian or one who is quite formidable. I'm Tom Baker. Join us next week for a continuation, and join us this week for a continuation of Hebrews. Very, very important. And a hymn for all the saints. 677. Listen to Law and Gospel. God this bless. morning at 930 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 267 1962